0: Okay, uh, the recording has been started, so hello everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us today for AW Los no Angeles Las Vegas section uh, town hall meeting. Uh, today we have a very exciting topic and there was a great speaker uh, going to talk about very exciting activity for on un- always servicing. But before that, we'll have uh, a few words for logistics. Uh, so first of all, uh, we thank Lomita Library uh, for uh, providing uh, this is a wonderful meeting room. Uh, the, we did it uh, here before in 2019 for space architecture event here, a mini conference uh, with some speaker from JPL and uh, USC, Professor Martus uh, and uh and Melody Yasher, uh, award-winning designer for Mars X-House. And uh, so we are so happy to get back. I really appreciate it. Um, and I also thank ARWA for providing us uh, this uh, great uh, organi- organization support. Um, the same thing for the in-person attending here, you have the uh, coffee over there and a uh, bottle of water, donut, and cookies. We enjoy But For online folks, I'm sorry, uh, we are trying to get, get you here in person to enjoy the food. So next time, please please show up. Uh, the restroom is behind you so you can take a look. Um, so we have some uh, glider and for sure for Elevent membership. membership. Um, before we start, we have uh, something left over business. So last week, last week, we have a presentation by uh, Dennis, Mr. Dennis Leung, and I forgot to bring the appreciated certificate, so thank you, Dennis. So let's make sure we don't forget. Thank you, thank you. And Dennis will give a talk uh, uh, next, next week, November 4th, in Longdale Library. So please uh, attend. And online we have Dr. Uh, Dominic Valentian, uh, who was a speaker from France uh, on October 7th about Venus, you know, uh, exploration lander on Venus. Maybe there's something, you know, our speaker can take interest in Venus using his wonderful robot. Um, (laughs) Dominic, you want to say something?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Just
0: say hello, very good. Thank you, Dominic is from France is yeah, our AWA associate fellow. And online, we also have a distinguished guest, Dr. Rich Van Allen, uh, who is working nearby, Michael Cousin. Uh, he's uh, just had 50, 50, uh, 50 years of AWA membership. So we recognize him, and he used to be our council, section chair, and of course, the company also with Dr. James Worth. So Rich, do you want to say a few words to our attendee speaker here? Well, if, if not, we can weather So uh, we really have great membership here. So if you are not yet a member, please consider. If you uh, uh, haven't renewed, please uh, uh, consider renew the membership. It's a great organization. So um, without further ado, we, our speaker today is uh, a manager uh, in this uh, um, called Gitae uh, USA. Uh, this is company doing great jobs doing the onboarding servicing using robot. So he's going to tell us tell us his uh, uh, new development and uh, the company capability. And uh, if you, you and your company have certain interests, you are welcome to contact him. It's also for uh, students, uh, also very good opportunity to learn and they might have internship opportunity. He will tell us more. Uh, so, um, yeah, he will be able to introduce himself much better than me. Uh, he, he was, you know, Alabama, Stanford University, great education background, a lot of experience in uh, aerospace industry and uh, uh, robotics. So without further ado, let's welcome uh, Mr. Seiya
2: Shimizu.
3: Yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for a great introduction. And thank, um, I'd like to extend my gratitude to the, everybody who joined us today in person and of course on online. So again, my name is Seiya Shimizu, I am the project manager of Extra Vehicle Robotics Tech Demonstration at GITAI, Gita USA. So the, before starting my presentation, uh, please allow me to give you a brief background on myself. Um, as um, Ken just mentioned, I obtained both bachelor de- bachelor's and master's degree in aerospace engineering fo- focused on the satellite systems engineering. But, After this, I took some data from the space industry for about nearly a decade. I started my career as an avionics engineer for a um, fighter aircraft program in a big enterprise. Um, After dedicating five years there, I transferred to a startup who 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 was the forefront of the development of the autonomous mobility platform, autonomous personal mobility platform. But it, the, the 10 years I spent over there was really great. I enjoyed I uh, engineer life over there, but I, can, I cannot forget about my childhood dream, the dream to, uh, to make contribution to space industry, to expand humanity's envelope to outer space. That passion gave, that passion brought me back to the space industry two years ago, and I found my home at Gitai. Since 2021, my team at Gitai has been, has, been has been working on the development of the robot, robot, robotic arm for on-orbit servicing, on-orbit servicing missions, and we are lucky enough to secure an opportunity to send our robot to the ISS early next year. So that mission on the ISS is technical demonstration for our robot called S2 as a to show, to showcase our capability of building extra vehicle robot technology. So we hand, we already handed over that payload to NASA last October, uh, no, last August. Then we eagerly await its launch in January in coming January, January 2024. Today I'm honored to introduce part of my work to you, so everyone, please and uh, welcome our Yitai S uh, two. I'm sorry. Before you start, you can share the shared,
4: uh, PowerPoint. Right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's not shared. Oh, it's not shared. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Now, everybody can see my screen.
0: Uh, Post online, can you see the presentation online?
2: Uh, Yes, it came on now. Thank you. Oh, sorry about it. It's okay for me, also.
3: I forget the screen, but now it's fine, so let's start. (laughs)
4: The question is, what is the question?
3: Right. Thank you very much. Uh, this this is S two, the second space robot we made, and the first extravehicular robot for us. The launch is scheduled for January, January two thousand twenty four, and we will start. We will initiate the experiment in February. The robot will stay on the external experimental site on the ISS for six months, and then it will after the ex- six month experiment period, it will return to the Earth for further verification or further investigation about what have exactly happened on our flight hardware on the external space environment, harsh, a very um, harsh uh, high temperature cycle environment and including also radiation and vacuum environment. So I hope I can have another talk a, a year from today about the outcome or the result of the experiment. <laughs> S2 plays a very vital role in our company. It acts as a significant stepping stone of achieving our mission of providing a safe and affordable means of uh, affordable means of labor in space. The rise of new space launch providers such as SpaceX, Rocket Lab, Firefly um, has significantly reduced the cost of space transportation. However, the cost of space development is, remains high. Why? Because the cost because the cost of human labor remains high. To send a human to space safely, we need to invest a considerable amount of time and money in training, equipment, and procedures. So this approach is not sustainable. To expand our life sphere to the Leo, Moon, Mars, and beyond, we need to enhance our work capacity or work capability exponentially. Sending a large troop of human labor to space is not economically viable. The only solution is to use a robotic labor. That's why we are here, that's why GITAI Moved the entire company, the entire company to the United States. We opened our facility in Torrance last year and established full R&D and uh, R&D and manufacturing capability. Currently, 90% of our employee works at the Torrance facility. We prepared a one-minute video clip to introduce our facility, so please watch. It's a very silent view anyways. So it's located in 2255 Dominguez-Way Torrance, California. So it's actually just 10 minutes from this moment
1: library. We have
3: uh, the ground test environment, including uh, a space station mock-up or some other environmental testing facility to test our robots in 1G environment. We have our inchworm type robot arm, and the rover, and several other types of robot arms too. So in the type portfolio, we have multiple types of robots so that we can provide um, Different types, of space application. From a robot, different types of space applications, looking from a robot to different types of space applications. At this Taurus facility we developed space robots for three application domains One, the space station support on orbit servicing and lunar city construction S2 is designed for on orbit servicing missions and GITAI also has other types of robotic robot, other types of robots for space station support and lunar city construction these robots share the design of key components, the key technological components, with S two. So technologically, all of Gita robots are brothers and sisters. So the, all the Gita's robots are designed based on the key technology we developed. We develop internally. The Gita has a strong philosophy on vertical integration. That we design and build both hardware and software and internally. So I brought, actually, I brought some hardware in, in on, uh, sorry, I brought some sample of hardware here at the low Library today. So I put them on the front table. So after the presentation or whenever, please feel free to take them and see them. Now some of them are very heavy, so please be careful not getting injured. But this, uh, they are actual hardware, but they are just samples. Feel free to touch with the bare hand or something like that. The strong engineering team at Gita enables us to keep the vertical integration culture. The majority of Gita engineers hold PhDs in robotics focusing on wide variety of fields. We have experts in the motor controller, power electronics, actuator, and end effector, as well as software components such as computer vision, motion planning, network, database, and robotic system integration. Thanks to this in-house expertise and hardworking working culture, we, we achieved rapid, dem- rapid development cycles. For example, S2 took only two years from the project kickoff to the payload handover. It was extremely short compared to other space programs. But still, it was the longest project in the Gitai history. The typical um, it, It took longer than other Gita projects because we need to prepare for the, prepare for the NASA safety review. Where the typical development cycle of a robot at Gita is from six months to one year. So, now let's talk about the Gita S One, the oldest brother of Gita space robots. S1 is a semi-autonomous semi-teleoperated robot designed to conduct astronauts' mission astronauts tasks, daily tasks such as switch mani- manipulation, scientific experiments and equipment assembly. S1 successfully completed all the technological demonstration missions in the ISS in 2021. S1 was installed on the internal wall, Of the Nanorax Bishop airlock. And the robot was controlled from Nanorax control control facility in Houston, Texas. After the mission, S1 returned to the Earth and the actual actual flight unit of S1 is now on exhibit at Gita's Torrance office. I have a five, now I have a five minute minute video clip for the overview of the, the achievement of the S1 project.
5: Back with you. Glad to see you uh, back with us. Uh, just want to give you a heads up before we go into this uh, big LOS in about five minutes. We did want to check out the uh, connection of that J29 connector.
3: That's the room the experiment was conducted is the one of the airlock that they are, um, the ISS has. The commercial company called NanoRacks has their own airlock on the ISS, and we rented their um, their facility, on-orbit facility, for to, to conduct our demonstration. <laughs> and the view right now is the some part of the user interface that the ground operators see.
5: What is that simulating? Is that a structure mm-hmm. that might be built on mm-hmm. the outside of uh um, oh, yes. Um,
3: yeah. So it's the kind of mimicking the in in space, and in space assembly and manufacturing type tasks, robotic task including uh, the antenna or the solar panel assembly Maybe, like, that could be happen that, that could happen on the outside of, of this the station. Okay. So the S1 is equipped with a computer vision and some um, uh, computer vision software. So it actually detects the location of these the switches or other the components by itself. So it can run the task autonomously too, and also it has a capability of doing the teleoperation by a um, haptic in, haptic user interface. Question. Yes, sir.
6: So. Um... First of all, how many joints do you have in this arm? And second.
3: What was the first question? How many do I
6: how, how many joints do you have in this arm? How many joints?
3: How many joints? Okay. It, it, the arm is 8 DOF, 8 degrees of freedom.
6: <laughs> okay. So, so the number of joints are 6 then. Would that be correct? I think 8. Uh,
3: for okay. S1, I think we have 8 joints. Last it's one, three right. gripper, yeah.
6: I'm going to okay. double check, that. yeah. But generally the degrees of freedom are essentially less than the number of joints, but that's i oh,
3: sorry, I mean, the joints of the L-shaped joints, maybe. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Uh, one of the, one or two, actuators in is included in the link. So the, actually the number of joints are less than that. Yeah. Uh, so
6: the, the is this operation that you're showing is it is I'm it not, autonomous or is being controlled by uh, through Houston?
3: Uh, we have that robot has both capabilities. It can be auto it can run the full experiment autonomously and you can control the robot from uh, Houston. Oh, yeah. I think there's a video. Yeah. Yeah. Does it answer your
4: question?
3: yeah. OK, on this video, we don't have our, the, the coverage of the haptic interface, but we have a tele, uh, dedicated uh, in-house designed haptic user interface to control the robot on the ISS from directly from the control center in Houston.
6: Thank
2: you. I have a question also. Is it internally powered or does it require power from the ISS?
3: That particular one requires power from the ISS.
2: What about externally, if it goes out into the, uh, uh, like a, for a spacewalk, is that also requiring the uh, uh, ISS power?
3: For the long term, yes. Uh, the interim type spacewalk, yes. Uh, yes and no. Actually, the, the well, I can talk about it later, but we, we have several types of, of robots. So let me divide the question into two. For the... Our S2, the extra tech demo mission robot, it does not have a capability of work, and it the power is purely supplied from the ISS. So it doesn't have any battery or other um, energy storing devices on the robot itself. And for the inchworm type robot we, de- we are developing, we have developed, has an internal battery for the standalone standalone capability standalone work capability but the battery is not that big enough to cover the of course the entire mission life cycle So it's like a charge and discharge cycle on the ISS on not, not on the ISS but some any kind of a space station including commercial
6: okay so one more question uh, yes. What are the load carrying capabilities? Of this S1 robot that you showed. Load and torque both.
5: What
3: are the load torque?
6: What are the load carrying capability of the robot?
3: Uh, well actually the robot specific, specification of robot. we can talk about later, but give me one sec, I think. Yeah, the actual pitch worker is around thirty new meters, but as a robot most as a robot, we need to limit the token, token and uh, angular velocity of the each joint for the to satisfy the uh, the safety requirements. It's really limited. Okay. And I don't have the exact value right now, so all right. Yeah. Thank you. After the success of S1, the the success of S1 led us to another technological demonstration on the ISS, that is S2. The S2 will be installed on an external experimental site on the Bishop Ellard. The robot will stay on the external surface of the ISS for six months, and it will perform multiple multiple robotic tasks. We will conduct a full task demonstration every... Uh, once every week, and between the two demonstration, side, uh, two demonstration sessions, we will uh, the robot will continue moving for the um, endurance testing. The telemetry data of the robot will be continuously downlinked to their uh, Nanos facility and transferred to our facility for the twenty four seven monitoring. For S2's operation, we need only two ground operators and two laptops, two general laptops, not a workstation or a customized superpower laptop. Uh, S2's control loop is called supervised autonomy. The robot is equipped The robot is equipped with two onboard computers which accommodate all necessary software packages, including uh, computer vision, motion planning and motor control. S2 is capable of executing all the tasks tasks autonomously. However, uh, for this particular experiment, we added a human interaction in the control loop. The robot asks human for go or no-go decision for the the key steps of the robotic tasks, and the human operator in the control loop has a ground graphical user interface to monitor S2's current status and the future trajectory that was calculated on the ISS. Then human operator, uh, based on this information, the human operator sends go or no-go decision, go or no-go command to, the, to S2 to execute or to abort the step. So, I have another video clip of the S2 ground operation demonstration. Yeah, after it get installed on the ISIS, it will deploy to the, to the task operation mode. and on the table we have several task units for people to the busy for the subset of the uh, robotic operation.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> The left the camera view it's actually the
3: camera view of that computer vision camera equipped on the end so That camera view, has, the front operator has a, that kind of camera view. In addition to that, the 3D model representation of the robot uh, posture, the, post, the exact posture of the robot guns.
2: You testing that in the thermal back chamber?
3: Yes, we did. Uh, was for the entire system, yes, and each, each subcomponent, including the uh RCU, the robot control unit, and arm, um, yeah, we put into the TVAC chamber for the testing. The uh, this experiment contains the six different robotic tasks.
6: This can I ask a question? Yeah. Hello, yeah, so did you was the robot packaged? Uh for the launch by your company
3: uh what what do you mean by that the sponsor wise or technology wise but
6: no no so this was launched in a launch vehicle you know uh, as a uh, payload yes So who, so you did the packaging for the robot i and tested it
3: we did the packaging and for the actual final packaging was done by later the nasa cnc contractor but provide a basic instruction we provided a base basic packages and provided the instruction of how to package it for the um, two long to load onto the Northrop Grumman Cygnus vehicle
6: okay so it was it was launched on the Cygnus vehicle all right so was it Mm -hmm. so the robot uh, required any assembly once it, it got to the orbit or, or uh, after it was uh, it was uh, captured in the space station itself was it deployed uh, yeah
3: it, it was a good question it's a very good question and after, well honestly let me skip a little bit okay good so the, the robot will be launched as a specialized cargo to the ISS and the, the astronaut will assemble the robotic payload package into the actual deployment configuration, the left, left-hand left side picture, in the ISS, in the NanoRx Bishop airlock. Then the robot will be installed to the external experimental site by using the ISS robotic arms, including the SSRMS and SPDM. So all, okay. yeah. After it got deployed, we don't, uh, the robot does not need any um, EVA by the astronaut. But before deployment, in, in, uh, inside the ISS, the inside the pressurized area, uh, the robot requires some assembly, not, not very complicated, but the, some assembly uh, procedure is included.
6: Okay. So you said the power source is ISS, so it will be connected. Yes. It would be powered by uh, the, the mobile transporter bus, or, or would they, would there be a separate, um, what you call effector on mm-hmm. the station itself, where, where it will take uh, power from?
3: On, on, this page, on this page, you can find the two ocean Ring go-to connectors, one on the, our payload side, the very left bottom of the page, Oceaneurin Go-To Active Hearth. And on the analog side, they have the another Oceaneurin Go-To connector, which is Passive Hearth. They are the robotic interface for the external payload. And that connector has a capability of um, uh, provide a 120 volts power source from the ISS. So, electrically, the payload is connected to the ISS power source via the OCEAN go to.
6: Okay. And this is a, a, con- a continuous connection,
4: right? Continuous connection, continuous. yes.
6: Thank you.
3: Yeah, so let me step up one page. So, the experiment contains six different robotic tasks. These tasks mimic important technical aspects of uh, real-life on-orbit servicing missions, the ORU uh, on-orbit replacement unit, manipulation, tool changing, personal tightening and removing, removal, the thermal blanket manipulation, connector mating and demating, mm-hmm. and the dual arm cooperation. Even though the, this experiment will be conducted on the ISS, But these technical aspects are common for missions on any kind of free flyer platform too. For example, satellite life extension mission also requires connector and fastener handling Mm -hmm. motions. So S2's experiment will showcase its dexterous robotic capability for the multiple types of on orbit servicing missions. And yeah, we came back to this picture. So, this is a closer look to the, to the S2 system design. Each arm has seven degrees of freedom and an end, seven degrees of freedom and an end effector. And each end effector is equipped with two computer vision cameras. So we have four cameras in total as a system, in addition to the seven cameras for the recording purpose. Uh, no, not seven, uh, three uh, environmental cameras for the recording purpose. The box below the arms is a robotic, robot control unit, RCU, which contains the power distribution unit, power control unit, and uh, onboard computers. And you, you may notice that there's a black cage, and that cage is also part of the payload. It's not a robotic payload, but it, that cage is designed and provided for the, to protect the ISS for any kind of potential damage by um, the robotic arm. So of course the, the robotic arm itself has multiple layer of safety safety features to preclude any potential damage to the ISS. But for additional safety layer, we pro- we added the kind of the physical barrier, of to the ISS. Question.
5: Yes, sir? Can you talk about the communication system it uses to connect with the
3: ground control? Ground control, we are uh, well non, sorry, but at first the robot is connected to the ISS uh, local area network via ethernet. And from the station to the ground, they, I mean, the ISS control uses, I think, KA band for ground communication, then that kind of the data packet is tunneled to the nanoEarth facility. Okay, and is there a time delay? Between oh yeah there, there there is but actually that is not significant okay ah yeah. oh, well we will see I mean from the past experience with S one we saw that the delay or, or the latency is not that long but the our uh, the S two will be launched next year so we will see what would have exactly happened on our S two part. I Thanks. Is it is it a Bluetooth connection? No, there isn't any Bluetooth. It's purely uh, wired connection, wired wired Ethernet. We passed the old the final safe, uh We passed the final safety review with NASA ISS Safety Panel last June, for, followed by the final preparation for packing. The GITA team conducted the end-to-end functional verification at the facility in Houston and handed over the payload to NASA CMC in August. The end-to-end verification included the remote operation test from NanoRx facility, NanoRx control room, to the ISS, which was connected to the NASA uh, JSL Joint Station LAN test bench located in the NASA Johnson Space Center. So we simulated the entire network loop from the NanoWorks facility to the ISS on ground, and I really uh, express my gratitude to NASA JSC and Marshall Flight Center for their tremendous support of um, making it happen on for our payload. So, NASA ground signals. In this coming January, the S2 will be launched from Kennedy Space Center on NG20, the 20th flight of the Northrop Grumman Cygnus spacecraft. I retrieved this photo from the Kennedy, from Kennedy Space Center website, and this particular one, this is the actual the Cygnus NG20, which carries our S2 to the ISS for us. So uh, thank you very much for the Northrop Grumman, the great work for providing us the launch. Uh, opportunity, I mean, the cargo area for the, our robotic payload. So if the launch and installation go smoothly, we will initiate the experiment in February 2024. So we will post the update, but so please uh, stay tuned about our uh, future um, outcome about the, uh, our S2 payload. In addition to the space-ready robots, uh, space-ready robotic arms, we developed rovers and inchworm robots for ground demonstration of robotic capability for lunar city construction. With robot arms, the rover is capable of handling multiple objects in, in a sandy environment. So now uh, let me introduce a robotic fleet tested at Demon Gene, California. This is the group photo of the current Gitai robotic fleet. The multi-robot cooperation will be necessary to build a large-scale construction. We built multiple robots and multiple robot arms and started field experiments to show how the robots are useful for Lunar City construction. We brought our robots to the desert and conducted the field test of multi-robot collaboration. Please enjoy the video coverage of the desert experiment we conducted last March. At this field experiment. Well, it's kind of tough for human beings, but it's a very fun world. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. In addition to their uh, field, like the mountain robot collaboration part, for the real world lunar exploration, the countermeasures to the lunar regolith contamination is a very key part, another key factor of the development of robots, the of development of lunar robots. We also built a regolith chamber facility at Gitae USF office, the Gitae Torrance facility, featuring seven metric tons of regolith stimulant. In that facility, we conducted the comprehensive testing of our Gita's, the inchworm-type robotic, ro- inchworm robotic arm and the Gita's lunar robotic rover. The, the robot successfully accomplished the multiple tasks and operations. The first task were two changer demonstrations of, of sampling lunar regolith using the backhoe type tool and sampling stones using the gripper type tool. The second task was inchworm, uh, inchworm working demonstration in the, IS, the dusty environment in, in the Lunar uh, Regulus Chamber. And the final one is the rover locomotion demonstration. This is actually the, the one the static picture of the locomotive demonstration. We prepared another video clip for you. Please check out the Lunar Regulus Chamber experiment. So this is uh, the lunar chamber, lunar regolith chamber we have in the Taurus facility. This white sun here is actually the, the lunar regolith signal, not the test. Thank <laughs> you. The our is very fine particle that can be hazardous to the chemo time. So, we take very carefully, we handle the, the sun very carefully. I was not in the chamber itself, but the body over there was our mechanical engineer and who really wear, wear the, the protective suit and got into the chamber.
1: What did you use to simulate the mean.
3: Uh, the regular simulant. stimulant? Uh, it was a commercial record stimulant, LHS-1. I think uh, we bought them from the exolith Egl- Egl- laboratory located in Florida. Do
5: you have some idea if, um, if the robot operates in the environment for an extended period of time, whether the fine grains of um, the regolith might disrupt the machinery? And
3: oh, yes, exactly. The mechani- uh, it can disrupt the mechanical parts. By the kind of getting into their uh, the moving parts and okay. uh, disrupt um, any kind of the freak, uh, cause more frequency uh, no no more friction okay. and finally get the the it get broken. Actually, we we did uh, that the the chamber test I showed you today is a, is a more system wide end to end test, mm-hmm. but we also. Have a small-scale chamber for the endurance testing. How how the lunar regulars can affect on a, the the mechanical and the electrical parts too. Okay. In, in the long term, do you have an idea of what the lifetime might be before it needs to be? I don't think we or? have the exact number yet. Okay. You know, we, we are you know, we are still evaluating, so I don't I don't have an exact number I can disclose.
6: Question regarding the uh, the on-orbit robots. Yep. Um uh, Do you have you done analysis for uh, mean time between failure for for these robots up in space and 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 let's say if you do have a failure in one of the mm-hmm. not just the motor joint uh, motors but in fact you know you you lose a discrete component up in orbit, your whole motor driver will be shot. What is the plan to uh, to uh, is there well, first of all is there a plan to uh, to do on-orbit repairs, or the whole robot has to be brought down to um, be repaired.
3: Well, I we don't have any repair, any plan for repair on-orbit repair for the for our payload. The, I, I think you are talking about the, our S two, right? The Leo experiment.
6: Yes, yeah, the the S two and even S one, it applies to that too. But that would be much easier to repair in orbit because it's a it's uh it's in the pressurized space but a- an orbit that you're going to hang off the uh the truss element or I don't know where you're going to put it or somewhere out in the mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, on any any other payload um, facility that the ISS provides so you're not telling me that it's a one shot deal it fails you know it
3: <laughs> oh, okay yeah That's- uh well for the Okay, let me explain. Um, there, we assume. I mean, this this will be our, our actual the first experiment on the ISS, uh, not not uh, extra vehicle environment on the ISS. So uh, we haven't had uh, any experience, but we assume that the major the major causes of their, any kind kind of the failure mode of the robot is the radiation effect. And we evaluated the possibility of that kind of effect, and we, we concluded that the most of the failure mode that could happen on the ISS can be recovered by the electrical reset of the entire system. So, so the, the possibility of the uh, permanent failure, the, pro- the permanent rate will is uh, negligible for us. and uh, given the full through experiment duration of six months if our experiment is longer than more, much longer than that we need to consider the the repairment the repairment method or something but we' concluded that we will not need any the repair plan for that and we also we have the uh, some redundancy in in and in the robotic system as a whole. So even if uh, some of the payload components got broken, we can still uh, detract the payload into the ISS again, safely to return the payload back to the Earth.
6: So what you're saying is that you have redundant electrical parts, I mean, paths, not parts, paths within your electronic control unit, as well as, uh, mechanical systems that you're building, if one fails, the other takes over. Would that be a correct correct assumption?
3: Uh, uh, but yeah, of course. The how do you say the design philosophy under S two is protect the ISS facility and ISS crew. So anything, to, well, the we uh, we we implemented the necessary redundantness necessary redundancy on as in the entire system so that it will not break any ISS components or it can damage uh, to prevent that, the potential damage to the human body of the ISS crew. But, the, the failure mode that, that causes the termination of our experiment is not critical or not catastrophic to the ISS, the entire ISS environment. So we took a risk that there is a possibility that we have to stop the experiment at some point between in the six month experimental period. As long as we can disrupt the entire payload to back to the ISS, it is something included in our, our expectation.
6: Okay, so that is a known risk, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much for your question. It, it's a very good point. But one question. Yes. What the temperature range
5: you assume for the specification,
3: of this? Uh, it depends on the orbit and the orbit and the, uh, orbit and the surface. Uh, if you are talking about the Leo or the lunar surface, but for the S two case, the assuming temp- temperature range. The temperature range of the actual the robot unit is from negative uh, sixty to positive uh, eighty. Celsius? Celsius, yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. because uh, there are uh, very dif- um, several variables that the determining factor of the actual the temperature. But based on the calculation, and uh, based on the information about the ISS orbit and the the Passive and active, the thermal protection we have on the IS, uh, on on the robotic payload, we assume that the storing temperature and the storing temperature of the robot will be in will, will fall into the range of negative sixty degrees C to the positive eighty degrees C. A positive eighty degrees C. Eighty, yeah. degree. 80, 80. 80. Yeah. That's also on the surface of the moon. No, the surface of the moon is a totally different story. So, yeah, we need, uh, we need a very, we need to do the thermal design from scratch for, for, oh, the, for, the, for the, the surface application. Okay. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I have a question. Uh, on your uh, on your uh, system, it uh, uh, seems fairly a very sophisticated robotics. So, mm-hmm. do your uh, manipulator... Uh, Effector tools, do they use uh, some type of uh, like force feedback, uh, sensory uh, uh, units in order to determine uh, Mm -hmm. when you're manipulating objects, you know, does it provide some kind of a uh, tactile sort of feedback to, to, to uh, confirm, for example, the, uh, the, uh, the grasping of of a particular object or or something to that degree?
3: Uh, Yeah, it's a very good question. And yes, it does. Uh, in on the the wrist part of the end effector, we have a, a force and torque sensors. It, it's a well six axis six axis yeah, six DOF um F4, force torque sensor to evaluate the actual force and torque applied on the the edge of the end effector. So the, the robot can evaluate if it, if the robot is physically contacted to the to the target object or
2: not? Yeah, I, I would have thought that would have been pretty, uh, uh, pretty necessary. And also, just out of curiosity, uh, due to the uh, to sort of the uh, the uh, the success that uh, that, uh, for example, the uh, the Mars mission with the uh, uh, what is it, the Ingenuity, the uh, the the little flying uh, uh, robotic uh, uh, helicopter that they have there, and and also the uh, uh, kind of up, upcoming mission by NASA, the uh, the uh, Dragonfly uh, mission. Are, are you planning on on, on perhaps uh, uh, building some type of a uh, uh, helicopter or flying platform for 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 say for Mars? I mean, that's being used in Mars right now. Yeah. Uh, are you are? You, is your company planning on maybe going in that direction at some point?
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, we are very interested in doing that. Honestly speaking, we don't have any solid plan of doing that, but I'm personally and as a team, we are very excited about that kind of opportunity. But as a company right now, yeah, we don't have any plan to build a helicopter or drone, the multi-copter type um, robot for the extraterrestrial body right now. But again, we are very interested in that and we have some well we have at least we have an engineer who came from the multi-copter industry so I think we can, we can try it at some point
2: yeah that, that seems like a very exciting uh, sort of uh, 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 new sort of opportunities for uh, for for robotic uh, uh, systems uh, especially on on, on, on uh, planetary missions that have uh, where you have atmosphere obviously were were flight uh, uh, like like as I said the one for for uh, Titan and uh, and 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 Mars but just uh, just curious if if I was a direction that, that anybody had any interest on in. thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, welcome. Good, good question. What was the last period Oh yeah, this one. Okay the. The videos I showed today, the the slide I showed today, is everything is a kind of self-funded technology demonstration mission because we don't have any NDA testing for the internal tech demonstration mission. But in addition to these kind of self-funded missions, we closely closely work with government entities and the commercial space companies. The one example is DARPA Lunar 10 project. ESA has been selected for, uh, for a contract negotiation by DARPA for the 10-year year Lunar Architecture Capability Study. The, the short abbreviation of that project is Lunar 10. The, this research will allow humans to build infrastructure on the surface of the Moon with multiple autonomous robots. We are honored to be a part of the state of the art research program with, uh, with excellent companies, with other excellent companies. Okay, and that is a very good a very important slide for me. So to expand our business, we need more colleagues. It is the most important message I have to carry today. So we are hiring. So we have open positions for the product manager, mechanical engineer and the financial and the business development. If you're uh, enthusiastic in robotics or space systems, or both, we can provide a very challenging and fruitful opportunities. And we also have internship positions. So if you're a student or a young engineer who are seeking internship opportunities, please contact our HR team via LinkedIn. So this is a link to our LinkedIn LinkedIn page and other company resources. Uh, The most of the videos I showed today are listed on our YouTube channel. And also as mentioned earlier, our office is located in Torrens, so it's just 10 minutes away from here. So if you want to apply for an open position or if you're interested interested in our technology as a customer or as a potential uh, business partner, then please feel free to contact us. We can we can arrange some kind of a facility to avoid it. So well, that's everything I have today. Now, thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much for the question uh, I got today. And of course, I have I have more than twenty or thirty minutes free time, so I'm free to uh, answer your questions.
2: I a question. Yes, sir. So, yeah, um, on the S two robot, um, yeah. is the design, the baseline design for that to be fixed on the external surface of the space station? Is there an option for a mobile version of it that can free fly around the space station and to service any portion of it?
3: Yes, good point. Yeah, uh, well, I kind of separated the technical aspect, but. First of all, the design, the, the robotic design requires kind of the fixed point on the one end. Uh, well, what how do I explain? The component-wise, the S2's key components, including motors or the uh, motor drivers, are common with the, the inchworm, the the spacewalk robotic arm. So it's very easy to migrate one from the other, uh, not, not super easy, but relatively easy to migrate one design to another type of the robotic arm compared to designing something from scratch. But the S2 design is based on the assumption that we can have a fixed point on one end. So it needs to be, the the robotic arm needs to be attached to something, it doesn't have to be the space station. It can be the spacecraft platform the free-flying space pl- platform to provide some the mobile repair or inspection capability to the commercial station or some some others. So, yeah, it, the robotic arm, as a robotic arm requires some the mother, ma- mothership, but any kind of mothership including space station or the spacecraft or the satellite bus can provide um, capability of the mobility to the robot cam. Does it answer your question? Yes. Um, regarding the,
5: uh, the lunar vehicles, um, I'm curious if there's a particular type of structure that the robots are optimized, um, to create. I noticed the, uh, I mean, there are certain procedures that you were showing, like, you know, placement of the walls and welding them together, etc. Um, and I'm wondering if, do you think the robots are optimized to, for, to assemble in that way? Or is there, um, is possible if there was a different type of structure that was proposed, um, that the robots could handle that equally well? Or mm-hmm. what, in, in other words, what I'm, what I'm asking is, um, is, there, is there a type of lunar base that these robots would build
3: quicker or better proficiently oh, okay. okay. than another type of base? robotic friendly structure or something yeah. like that, other than the, the general type of robot uh, general type of structure but, yeah yeah, there, yeah we, we believe there must be some kind of robotic ro- robotic friendly structure design somewhere okay. yeah and we have a internally we are running some kind of research and development to find some what kind of robotic interface I know, what kind of interface or structure design is Robotic friendly. So, of course, that the very general um, uh, construction methodology that we have right now is not robotic friendly. right? And for the learner surface or math surface, yeah, we, definitely we need a, some portion of the robotic friendly interface. And we are very interested in developing or the uh, seeking the third-party interface possibility to make make the world more robotic friendly.
1: So the uh, the inchworm robots that you showed in, in the video, um, they required some sort of attachment point. Yep. Um, are those attachment points already present on the ISS, or uh, do they need to be mounted? If they need to be mounted, how difficult is that to you know to do on the ISS?
3: The, the... Yeah, that's a good question. And the I don't I don't know if I have a picture picture of that. But... I mean, I
1: think the mounting points were shown on the uh Oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yes. And they are uh, how do I say, it? they are the prototype design and designed and built by ourselves. So it's not deployed to their any kind of space station right now, yet. Um, and of course it's a, there's a room for maturation, I think. But um, yeah, I think that's, some, well, how do I say, mounting this kind of uh, Grapple fixture to the current existing station, like the ISS, is not very economically viable, but we haven't, uh, well, we are seeking an opportunity to put this kind of the Grapple interface for the future, space station. future platform. The, well, well, uh, I'm not sure if it's a good wording, but the downside of the current Grapple fixture on the ISS is, um, is that it's very big, it's massive, and uh, very expensive. So I think for the future commercial program, for the commercially viable space pro- program, we need we I mean we as the industry need some kind of the replacement of the robotic interface, and that is a uh, an option we're proposing. Have you considered? Oh, sorry. Yeah.
4: Mission
7: oriented decision
5: making.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you choose what sorts of tasks you um, use machine as opposed to using the connection? Is it for really optimizing
3: for time or is it for the technical they want so, to the expose? Uh, for uh, the astronaut support or the space station support type robotics, we analyze the time. Consumed by the astronauts. I mean, that we have a kind of some sort of the time, astronaut, the daily timeline basis. And I think it's not uh, it's very widely known, but there are about 30 or 30, uh, 30 or 40% of the astronauts' timeline is consumed for the very uh, non technical standard um, daily uh, activities, including some, yeah, you know, some opening some bags or something, and they cleaning up the space station or something. And that kind of the simple task can be replaced with robots. So yeah, we decided, uh, yeah. Of course, the S1's task design is tech demonstration. And we just selected some of the, um, the most not important, the most time consuming task. But yeah, that kind of the dexterous motion can be applied to any kind of the last one of daily life. So. Yeah. I, was, I was gonna follow up on um,
5: the question about the inchworm attachments. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you've tried to replace them with uh, some kind of like other way to, like some type of adhesive or suction cup or, or something that might not require the installation of those um, fixtures. Has that um, Have you considered that? Uh, material-wise, well, or what sort of that? Um. Well, currently now you have an attachment from the inchworm and you yes. have an attachment that's installed. Yep. Um. Have you considered replacing them both with just a flat wall and maybe some way that
3: it can stick to the wall? Oh,
5: the,
3: yeah, yeah. Yes. The, yeah, it's possible. So you mean the putting the this um the fixture to the, the to the flat wall? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like you
1: know, yeah, exactly, and
5: yeah. is is that possible? So, I mean,
1: the form, magnetic or yeah. vacuum or something? Some non, it, non-mechanical. It doesn't require non-mechanical, non-mechanical
5: interface.
3: Non-mechanical interfaces. Well, we haven't considered the non-mechanical interface. yet. yeah. It, everything is mm-hmm. we designed is mechanical, mm-hmm. mechanically fixed. Yeah, because of the some other limitation coming from the actual application. Like the catching, catching the flea, flying the the visiting vehicles or something. Like that. To make it, we need some kind of secure. Uh, we need to grapple the target, the target object securely. So we, uh, anyway, we need kind of the mechanical interface.
2: Uh, uh, regarding the uh, those attachment points, uh, yes. aren't there uh, some currently? Uh, uh, attachment points for the uh, for the robotic arm that that's actually being used in the ISS currently. Uh, would there be a possibility of you utilizing those, or or is, or is that just not not a uh, uh, compatible to, to to the current design that you have?
3: Uh, well, the the current the grapple fixture on the ISS is designed for the end effector of the Canadian the SSRMS, but uh, mainly. The compatibility is a design matter of the end effector only. So, what I uh, how how do you say it? there the it can be separated from the arm design. So, if we have a uh, the end if we have an end effector which is compatible with the the current existing grapple fixture on the ISS yes our robotic arm is uh, can work on the ISS so it it and there are the end effector design i'm not sure yeah
2: uh, could, could you design some kind of an adapter to to fit your unit and and then utilize those uh, existing uh external uh adapt uh, attachment points Take-
3: I believe technically it's possible. What I don't know is how it's protected by the patent or any kind, some kind of the legal uh, protection.
2: Oh, I see, right. Okay, of course, yeah, right.
4: Yes, can. Oh, uh, there's
0: no Um uh, Is it your robot system need to go through uh, like a uh, like,
3: uh... Uh, vibration or shaking acoustic testing before launch. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah, We we did the environmental testing, including mm-hmm. the t the, the thermal, and vibration.
0: You know, some companies like Aerospace Corporation. You know, they're very good. You know, doing this kind of testing evaluation, Roman too. That's very important. And then, you know, the robot system. Uh, probably also have you, you measure ABRs. You know, uh, there probably some chips or something like that. Are they radiation hardened for space mission mm-hmm. or like a cost of the shell?
3: Uh, it, they are cost uh, commercial of the of the shell components, and we evaluated most of the key electronics for uh, um, single single event effect and both PID T- uh, TID total TID uh, anyway yeah both uh, long time and short time effect of the radiation. Yes, so oh. they are not radiation hardened, but we concluded that they are radiation tolerant.
4: Oh.
3: So for those testing vibration uh, and radiation, it helps. Or you, somebody outside tested for you. We absorb, uh, especially the radiation test. We absorb. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Very good. we don't. We don't have any radiation source in house, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs>
1: is this system, whether S1 or S2, ever been used or demonstration for like servicing of satellites or refueling? Have mm-hmm. you guys ever thought about that?
3: Very good point. And that is the one we are going to do after S2. <laughs> but the, the, robotics-wise, it's a... Um, the, the robotic capability is something what we already have. I think for the referring function or something that capturing the uh, free flying <laughs> object and, and, and applying some kind of an, uh, assembly or de- de-assembly task on the free flying platform. The ro- we have a robotic capability, but and I think the barrier we a barrier no the technical aspect we don't have we currently don't have is a. The, the satellite bus side or the RPU the rendezvous and proximity operation capability. Right, right, right. So um, we are looking for looking for some kind of technology.
1: The, the reason I ask, I, I, I've spent 20 years building satellites, mm-hmm. and out of those years, I've seen all different kinds of designs, and every single one of them is not designed to be serviced. Mm-hmm. So it's very very difficult to service anything that's currently up there oh, right, yeah. right now because. They're in different positions. It's very hard just for your own hands to to reach and get into. Um, Are you guys also working with NASA or any other government organizations or decision makers so that when they put out their proposals that they do have like a servicing requirement and using this particular type of technology so that the design is meant to be serviced with this kind of technology? Are you guys working at any kind of like policy influence with agencies? What uh, at least
3: what I can say is we are uh, we are a uh, participant of the conference, and I don't I don't remember remember what exact uh, other organizations or entity we are involved in. But we uh, yeah, yes and partially yes, and we are getting into the the policy decision. Stuff too,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, regarding to the public policy, you just want to mention. By other way, Dr. Ben Allen also know very well. Uh, each year we have uh, what they call capital Vision Day to the Congress, mm-hmm. to the national capital, and uh, it's not for individual lobbying you know, for a specific company or something like that. But if it's some public policy issue, our local chapter, LA, Las Vegas, or national, they have a public policy group. So if you want to lay out some kind of, you uh, know, like uh, office servicing or some kind of public policy, you're welcome, we can work together. And we also have technical group. So if you would like to kind of release certain kind of white paper, or, you know, something like that, you're highly welcome, that's why LA yeah, that exists
1: you know, is to facilitate this kind of discussion. Because I'm, I'm listening to a lot of the questions that's being asked, and a lot of it really boils down to how do we implement this kind of technology in mm-hmm. either our current um, hardware and or future hardware. And so if we keep going the way we are, people are just going to keep designing whatever they want, and it doesn't really match up with anything, <laughs> right? And then so we're constantly trying to chase after them. And so, you know, is there any kind of, you know, going forward standard that, everybody can say, okay, just like an in aviation industry, right? Every airport you go into, the fueling is the same because the connectors are the same. We all understand that. And so I think, like, in this industry, we really need to start moving forward to have some kind of standardization going forward for, like, maintenance and repair and so on and so forth. Yeah, right. So I was, that's why I was, like, I ask these companies to see if, you know, you guys are working actively with anybody yeah. else to make sure that happens. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering...
7: Um, I have a question.
0: Um
7: has. I work in the area of compliance and policy quite a lot. and um, in these areas where we have a lot of innovative um, situations, we're transitioning, so to speak. You wouldn't necessarily know what specific kind of component you would go for. Um, Off the shelf is a great place to start, Mm -hmm. but inevitably you end up having to build some sort of integration into something. Mm -hmm. And everybody's finding out how to do those integrations um, in their own silos, as you know. You know, there's a lot of different silos. So in in respect to that, I would like to also ask a question from... um, how you communicate between different like-minded groups. And I think that's a great segue from what you guys were saying just before. Um, Is there a kind of modeling um, integrations groups that that you belong to? Is there something that we're thinking about moving forward with in this space where we can sort of discuss the models, if somebody comes up with a better model design? Than each other we kind of reach a uniformity that's my question is there anything happening in that space and i'm really that's something i could put out to the floor as well as Peter. sorry I, well in, i'm not free really understand
3: i'm not free really catch the question but the integration group something I, like an industry committee type thing you in yes
7: and in, in yeah an in industry community The I suppose the github of integration of component mechanical parts
4: uh, well mm.
7: modeling you know Not you know, you sharing yeah mm-hmm. you're sharing models between each other discussing them have a place where there's a forum for them
3: well yeah of course we talk to the, each single uh, commercial company who has their similar or uh, who has the capability that can be a good fit with our robotic technology, but as far as I know, we, we don't formulate any kind of the, the industry group or the integration group or something like that.
7: Considering that you move forward with your robotics design so rapidly, mm-hmm. um, my next question is, do you think moving forward that you might find that would be something that you might set up now that you've moved into the local area? Mm.
3: So, sorry. Um...
7: Do you think you might set up a group that works on the modeling integrations for oh. all of this rapid prototyping?
3: Well, it's it's an interesting question, but I, I think it includes a highly the business wise decision making. So I I think it's kind of, I cannot answer directly to you. It, I think Thank it's you very asked, much. responsibility. Yeah, sorry about that.
7: No, not at all. Um, what sort of software, 3D modeling software, do you use for this, um, the development of this product?
3: Oh, the, the 3D modeling software. Uh, the, our robot is currently running on the ROS, the robotic operation system. So the, for the 3, 3D representation, we use RViz, the, the visual 3D visualizer of the robot, ROS, the robotic operation system.
7: Thank you very much.
3: You're
7: welcome. I use Kawasaki Ross.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Are you back from Australia? You're in El Segundo, right?
7: Uh, When I'm in LA, I'm in El Segundo. I work in the 360 workspace there with Moni Van, but near the primary school. But at the moment, I'm in South Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I work with Adelaide University and Flinders University mm. with, with robotics as a um a, a, a industrial engineer.
0: Very good. Would you come back, uh, also again, uh, soon so we can uh, meet face to face with uh, Mr. Shimizu.
7: Thank you very much, sir. That would be wonderful.
0: Okay, we have a question here from Roy. Yeah, a couple simple
1: questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the, the drive on mm-hmm. those motors, mm-hmm. the mechanism, mm-hmm. are they all harmonic drives?
3: Oh, yes. Uh, uh, not, not all. Well, not all, right? GM23 has a harmonic drive. How about four? Harmonic drive. Do, do they all have harmonic drives? Yeah. yeah. They do. So you don't use any planetary gear? No, no planetary gear. Um,
1: um, to a couple of business relations questions. Yeah. So, who who was the big the funder of S one and S two? Who who funded your work? It's
3: purely uh, well, investments, investors. Self-funded. Uh, well, yeah, of course. We are the we are startup companies. So the the, the 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 cash of the company came from the venture capital or something, but. The the project wise is self uh, funded by the company and partially funded from the METI, the Japanese government. Oh, okay. and what also Jackson? we have uh, we launched that payload with a under the umbrella of the the ISS National Lab, Labs uh, Space Act Agreement, so there yeah, some portion of the launch. Was covered by the SAE, uh, Space Act agreement too. Space Act agreement in Japan? No, 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 in, in the, the United States. Yeah, oh, beyond, uh, with NASA? the are actually. Yeah, yes. Through NanoRacks. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So it sounds like one of your major partners is NanoRacks.
4: Uh, yes, yeah. Who,
0: who
1: else you consider to be a key partner in, in this business? Like, mm-hmm. are you, do you have a relationship with AstroScale?
3: Partially yes, the Astros game, yes, but you know, we don't have a very strong relationship with Astros. the okay. okay. who who do you have a strong relationship besides the, Nanos? Current currently, the Nanos is the strongest, and the second. No, actually, we are kind of very independent
1: right now. Okay, yeah. and yeah. and who do you consider to be your current and future main customers?
3: Current and future main customers include well. For the orbit servicing, I'm I'm pretty sure the Space Force, DoD, and NASA, maybe they're very good customers. And for the space stations, we are talking with, uh, we have talked with the several uh, commercial space space station developer. Uh, Well, maybe you may or may not know, the NASA kicked off the CLD, the Commercial Leo Destination Program last year, no, not last year, maybe in 2021. So they funded, NASA funded uh, Blue Origin, Nanak and Northrop Grumman to, to build and, and Axiom for the to build a commercial space station. So right. we, we are talking with them. We have talked with them too. So we are often very kind any
1: kind of opportunity. Yeah. And why did you locate in Torrance instead of somewhere else in the United States?
4: Oh <laughs> <laughs>
3: because there is a huge the aerospace community here, so we, we like so it's to get very it. expensive. And it's expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. It's yeah. If you're gonna hire people, you have to pay them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but that's still the the it's it's better than the middle of <laughs> <laughs> nowhere
2: <laughs> you have a giant pool of aerospace talent here that is resident in Southern California. Yeah. I mean, look at all the companies that have set up shop here, right? Virgin orbit,
3: relativity, rocket labs. They did that for a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, That is we, we like to have an access to talent yeah, yeah. in local, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would like that's a comment, yeah. John, John, right. We have uh, even though some company might move out, like North Roma used to have a headquarters here. They move out, but new company will be. For example, uh, uh, maybe you didn't know the SpaceX Hustle they're actually using formerly uh North of North, Carolina, North, Carolina, right. North facility. Right. Da Vinci School Millennium, uh, Millennium Space System, they all use Northrop government facility. So, even though some of the program might move to Florida or some, but uh, the talent is still here. So, it, it makes sense over here. And uh, some, actually I know some of the local government, we talked to a local political leader, uh, they're actually very supportive. They want to, uh, people to have a new company, or is they have to use the facility here. They do their best
1: to keep you, give you the best deal. Because years ago, they tried to move north for about everybody refused, so they they, they left us here.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, as you know, the, the we are chatting
1: with the speaker and
0: John, there's a company um, right here in Novita, that's Michael Carter, And uh, you can uh, I just explained some of the history between the, uh, the Southern California community, SpaceX, Elon Musk, and uh, uh, our local air company. I, I'm not trying to make it up. Can you consider uh, you're talking about the local industry? Obviously, uh, we can talk more about this. Uh, there actually more uh, new company coming. In. Actually, there's a launcher space. Uh, there is a sleep shot Not a launcher. Here. And also, uh, open, um, spin launch, uh, spin launch, and CZ. And uh, uh, actually, they always pop up with some new company here. Uh, very surprised. Uh, the, the, the vibrant activity and uh, also the uh, student. I mean, uh, students like Angelina, Fumi, uh, wonderful jobs, and very top schools, and uh, also universities. And uh, of course, you know, everybody has the Cal State Long Beach, UCLA, USC, and UNLB uh, as our student branches. But nearby, we also, for example, you mentioned this. Uh, the question is, do, do you consider working with some of the local university research lab? Uh, for example, you mentioned this, uh, Sen, Luna Sen. I know there's uh, a group uh, Professor Chang, Sunju Chang, they say they member doing some kind of electromagnetic or uh, you know, uh, the dust uh, absorption system. So they also got very interested in this uh, fine powder. Or something. So, do you have existing or do you plan to work with some of the
3: uh, local uh, research institutes or, 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 or uh, universities? Oh, well, there there is a possibility, but we don't current we currently don't have any uh, active plan, act, active research project with. any uh, university university really something
0: Another strength in this area, even though LA actually a little bit north, you can see Palmdale. That's uh, uh, more aerospace side. You have this uh, Edwards Air Force Base, you know, uh, your Air Force Research Laboratory. So actually, these are this is a community. So. It's, it's not just L.A., a lot of people, companies, Lockheed Martin, most of them, they also have collaboration with, uh, and you know the Space Shuttle, then so there's a Vandenberg. So this is actually a very promising area. So uh, it's wonderful you are, you are here.
4: You. <laughs> so
0: any more questions online? Uh, Dominic, do you have any question? You're working on the Venus lander. (laughs) Do you think of something that could be uh, interesting like from your point of view, ESA?
1: No, this is a very interesting presentation. And uh, I have no question about that.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, So Dr. Van Allen, do you have any uh, comment or question? Maybe it's easy. So uh, if there's no more questions, one more thing. So uh, we will stay a little bit, Uh, the speaker will stay here a little bit, and then we have the demo here. Uh, So we're not just going to leave right away. Uh, So before you leave, uh, we are going to present this, uh, our appreciation for Mr. Seiya Shimizu. So we look for uh, more opportunities. you and your company and uh, uh locally in the local chapter we are trying to bring everybody together for networking so as i say for example um next week we have dennis uh talk it's very exciting for digital domains it's very exciting afterwards november 14 we are going to have a young professional networking right next to spacex so we are trying to bring the local aerospace community from aerospace North also and everybody uh, Boeing, Raytheon, you know, SpaceX all together uh, to have fun and also know each other. So please join us. You know, that together, you know, create a very vibrant, uh, you know, aerospace community here and for, for the nation, for the growth. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Texas. you very much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you.
7: Thank you.
0: Yeah, so we'll stop the recording now, but we'll, uh, welcome to stop by talk to the speaker. And locally, we'll we still have uh, um, coffee, coffee. which we'll is fresh brew, cookie, donut. Please enjoy. Look, <laughs> Next time, we'll bring uh, some good lunch. Uh, today, we have the, the, the snacks. Please enjoy. And folks online, if you want to speak up, you can right, right, continue right, right. to do so. Right. That's exactly what
1: that's yeah. how I was going to say.